The Literate Pixel Podcast is recorded before a live studio audience. Alright, let's just put on the finishing touches and... There! I think that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Podcast all done, buddy? You know it. I edited it all. No thanks to you. I do my best. You know, you should really try to learn some audio editing skills. Nah, I'd just mess it up. Besides, you'd do such an amazing job. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks, Nick. You really are a good friend. Aww. Uh, did you get to finish the book? Just wrapped it up. Shall we begin the podcast? We shall. And welcome to the Literate Pixel Podcast, a podcast for those graced with the mastery of a 5,000-year-old technology, but who elect to squander it on garbage. My name is John, and this is my co-host, Nick. Hello, Nick. Hi, John. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing wonderful, but John, I have a problem. What's your problem, Nick? It's not garbage. Wait. This sounds... What? What? Ha- have we done... The... Have we done the... N- never mind. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what's coming down the pike? Uh, would you like to tell our audience what today's episode is on? Sure. But before that, we have some ad copy. Wait. Really? Yeah. Well, why? Uh, um, I'll, I'll talk to you about it later. Uh, so who's today's sponsor? Well, today's sponsor is the Group for Rights of Pets Used as Plot Devices, or the GRP, UPD for short. Did you know that 69% of cats and dogs portrayed in movies end up murdered as a plot device to help a protagonist grow, or as a justification for the plot? Our fictitious pets deserve better. GRP-UPD 
dedicates every moment to guarantee that fictitious dogs, cats, and even some reptiles are not treated like garbage, just to illustrate that a villain is villainous or that the main character is virtuous. Let's make sure that before all dogs go to heaven, that they end up in a heavenly home by giving GRP UPD money today. Yeah, it's a really good cause. It really is, Nick. Yeah. It's Did you know beautiful. that in the uh, last day of Pompeii, which is an old silent film, they murked a lizard? Like an actual lizard. It was just crawling they, around. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? They hit it with a stick. Like, I mean, maybe it wasn't really a lizard, but given how animals were treated back then and given how alive it looked. Oh, my gosh. Well, that sounds horrifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not as funny as my uh, voice would imply. Um <laughs> Instead, it's uh, horrifying. So, yes, uh, in order to yeah, save both living and fictitious lizards, please give money to GRPUPD. Yep, the Gurpupta yep. is great. The Gurpupta. So today, Nick, we are going to be reviewing the Book of Atris, the first in a trilogy of books based off of the Myst video game franchise. And I, I know the that your mouth is just dripping, just <sighs> wet. It is a pleasure. sopping wet mess. I am. I've got a Sovereign. towel under my jowls. It's delightful. It's published in 1996 by Hyperion Press, written by Rand Miller and Ryan Miller, the creators of the Miss franchise, and David Wingrove. Uh, for Indeed. those that, yeah, <laughs> quite. David Wingrove, yes, famous, famous author, David Wingrove. Hey. Did you look him up? I didn't. I'm unfamiliar with his work entirely. He, yeah, you go look it up while I talk about Mist, and you, you, you read up about Dave Wingrove, okay? David Wingrove. Oh, he wrote the Bible. Yeah, he wrote the Bible. It's true. He is Jesus. <laughs> look, Jesus. the Mist franchise, for those that don't know, is a game series that first started off and debuted in 1993 on uh on macintosh uh computers and became a cultural phenomenon that was considered the best-selling game of all time for almost a decade Middle uh, holding that title and finally uh usurped by broken the Sims, which is also another phenomenal game it brought video games to a completely new market an older generation of people White and was something that was beloved and covered across all medias and all mediums, because it was something so transcendent that it, it covered it covered the gamut of people. It was a fantastic game, and a fantastic within. series of games. What do you learn about David Wingrove? Uh, he 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 wrote the Chung Kuo series. Yeah. Okay. Is it good? I I'm sure. Potentially. <laughs> Potentially. Uh, so this book came out a year before Riven, the sequel to Mist, and very much is a book that is intended to offer some background and context to the events that happen in Riven, and, and as well as uh, give you some idea of what had happened in the events that led up to the original Mist. It's really interesting and fascinating it covers the life of atris who is one of the main protagonist characters um that you don't play as in the series but has one of the most vital and important roles throughout all of the games um as him going from a child being raised by his grandmother anna uh not knowing his father and 
his father Gen, who then comes into his life. Oh, is that how you say it? Yes, comes into his life. Yes, I wasn't sure if it was like Gain or <laughs> Gen. Oh, you didn't know how to pronounce his name? It's yeah. Gen. I mean, Gen yeah. Gen makes sense given the letters that are provided me, but English is a fool's language. That is very true. The Dini language, Nick, is a very complex and complicated thing. It's very intricate and unusual. So I would understand your confusion and and frustration if you mispronounced it. Yeah, I wouldn't be extremely frustrated. Something else. Yeah, Shakespeare. Um, but Gen comes into his life, takes him under his wing, and thrusts him into the world of Dini. That seems very. A... That that seems very mild for what actually happens. Well, listen. Uh, Denis is a world, it's a civilization that exists uh, deep underground, and it was a civilization of people that had the ability to write books that connected people to other worlds Are we just in the ignoring universe. my criticism of your characterization of their relationship? We'll get into the relationship, Nick, eventually. Um, but so, but they, the Denis civilization was wiped out uh, due to a variety of circumstances that we get into through the book and things like this, these revelations that talk about why they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Gen is a descendant from uh, the Dini, and and subsequently so is Atris. And Gen is trying to revive the Dini culture and the Dini people and hoping that Atris will help him in that pursuit. But there is some conflict. Things are not always as they seem. And, uh, and that is the major crux of the the book is that Atrus is attempting to escape the clutches of his, you know, maniacal father. In, his indeed. Ego maniacal. Qu- quite, quite maniacal. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating. And so, really, Nick, I want to know what your thoughts were on this book. Because you have had no experience with the Miss franchise at all. I've had when very little. Word... So what, what experience I have had with Mist has hmm. been exclusively catered through you yes um and is either very long impassioned rants about (laughs) the excellence of the series which i indulge you in because i know that it's important to you and i love you yes thank you nick there's that Um, That also i did play a little bit i think of riven with you did you yeah very early on in our relationship um you you did give me a little ribbon, and I remember very <laughs> your <laughs> mild frustration at me not making connections between the telescope and the movement of the sun. No, that would have been Uru Ages Beyond Mist okay. or Mist Online in that particular part. Right. So yeah, listen, okay. so listen, it's through Mist Online that we let's let's give some people some context then. I guess with about my experiences with the Mist franchise in general. All right. Mm-hmm. So imagine a young me. Um, 1993 rolls around. My aunt, who is, you know, my rich aunt, decides to visit and comes with a video game for our computer. And it is missed. It's a gift for us. This is something you have to play. This is something amazing. We had no idea what this was. We lived in the country. We didn't have much experience with a lot of the, the cultural zeitgeist of things that were going on. Like, you have to play this game. It's fantastic. And my brother's loaded up. And they're exploring the world, the island of mist, and um, and I was terrified of it as a kid. It was foreboding and mysterious, and I was just un, you know, ill at ease of the events of this, the things that were happening in this world. And they, my aunt and uncle, were like, 
interesting like they were very much like what are your thoughts on this why are you uncomfortable and i'm like i don't like this and here's why and they were like oh that's very interesting um and then in the early 2000s i'm out in my own world i'm on my own now i graduated from high school living with my brother nathan and he had all the mist games except for uru ages uh, beyond mist and i start i was like i'm gonna play through the whole series and I'm starting to go through them all, and I'm falling madly in love. And then I'm like looking up online a lot of information and the backstory of Mist. And I learned that Mist had at one time an MMO, a massively multiplayer online game, which seems very counterintuitive to the nature of Mist in itself. But and, oh boy, do yes. you love MMOs! <gasps> and uh, I learned that it was turned into a single-player game, which is Uru: Ages Beyond Mist. I thought that there were only five games. There was a sixth. I bought that game uh, and its expansion because I had money and I was going to buy like my first computer game like for myself. And I went and bought the Wheel of Time game because I was like, I love the Wheel of Time. I want to buy the Wheel of Time computer game and it didn't work on our computer. And so we went to go return it and like, you can't do a return. We can only exchange. And uh, I was able to get the, uh, the Uru Complete Collection, which is Uru, it just beyond mist and its expansion. Um, and I took that home and I played it and I was like, this is the best game I've ever played. And then go back like almost a decade later and mist online came back again. Cyan, the studio that was behind making mist had brought it back up and I got to play and experience it. And it became uh, a massive obsession of mine. I loved its meticulous world crafting, its history, its story, the language that they use. Like they were at a Tolkien level of detail and meticulous craft that was unlike anything I'd ever experienced in a game. And I was, I was all in. It's, it still stands to this day as one of my f- most favorite games of all time. I read the mist reader. I bought that up. And what's interesting is that a lot of times when we say this, like I, in the beginning of this, I mentioned that this is kind of a, a precursor to Riven. It gives you kind of some backstory and understanding of what's going to be happening in Riven that was released a year later. Uh, but in reality, this and the subsequent books in the series are all about mist online and what they were trying to create. They recreate the city of Denis and we're rolling these new ages for people to explore, these new worlds to explore, all within the context of the civilization of the Denis people and what they were doing as a culture, as well as rolling out new places of the city itself proper to explore and discover. And all of these books feed into that. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, in the book itself, there are illustrations that are concept art for what eventually Gorgeous. became Uru. Like, they Wasn't are very it? good. They're very good. Um, I, I think, diegetically speaking, they're meant to be... Uh, they're meant to be drawings made by Atris himself. Yes. And they are used to... They were the concept arts for what they were going to do with um, Mist Online. So after they had finished Riven, when Riven was finally out of the, out of the, out of the gate and released... They immediately went to work on Mist Online. They had uh, leased out the rights to uh, Mist Three and Mist Four to the publishing company Ubisoft, uh, who gave 
handed that off to a company called Presto Studios. They made some really great FMV adventure games, uh, the Journeyman Project, um, which are really interesting time travel, um, almost an edutainment, but uh, also very sci-fi and very really fascinating adventure games. They do an okay job with the misfranchise, but all the while, Cyan Studios is working on a massively multiplayer online adventure game that was so far ahead of its time in what they were trying to create. And everything was feeding into that. So there are events and places that we go to in this book that they reference or that we see in Mist Online. The only time that you ever see the city proper of Denis uh, is in this game. And it was just... There are moments in this book that I read and I am I'm transported to those places. I am there. I've seen them with my own eyes. And I am I'm lost in and swept away in this emotional roller coaster of this place that I love so dearly and is easily the number one most enchanting locale in a video game that I've ever been. Like if I could if that place was real, I, that's what I'd want more than anything. I'm in love with that place. I love it so much. You, you, you've, you've talked about it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. It's so beautiful. And, and I rant it incoherently is, about is, it. You, you, your passion for it is very endearing um, and apparent by how long you can talk about it. I, I, we will talk more about it because there are things that happen in this book where I'm like, oh, it all makes so much sense in the world of Mist Online. Like, it's, it all makes so much sense. I see the vision of what they were trying to do. Yeah, also so somewhere fantastic. in your edit, you're going to have to deal with a very silent shit as uh, I panic because the cat that's in our apartment that we're recording in jumped on my laptop and then clicked a button. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah, uh, nothing was messed up, but I panicked. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, one of the things also about why I'm in so in love with this game was because it ended early. They never got to fully reach their vision. It failed miserably. Uh, not because the content wasn't engaging or interesting. In reality, it was the best stuff that they've ever made, personally. Uh, but it failed commercially, and... It was the death of the Mist franchise. Yeah. People didn't want an online game like that, and it was at a time when the internet was still in its infancy, and something like this didn't exist. It was really an early games-as-a-service sort of thing, and uh, but it, it breaks my heart, and when I see, read these books, and I see these places that I've been to and places that they planned to show us and not be able to see it in the game, not see it come to fruition. Mm -hmm. It breaks my heart every time. So, but I, oh, but I, the book, I, I Nick, it's, tell me about the book. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed the book. I, I will say, I don't think I enjoyed it nearly as much as you did, but I don't think I could ever love the Mist franchise as much as you do. This is a thing that people tell me a lot in my life. <laughs> they, they, they say, John, listen, you will never find another person who loves these things as much as you love them. You'll find people who may know more than you, but they will not love it as much as you. And I'm like, and that I, I think so the sad. only things you love more than uh, Mist are your children and your wife. Yes, I think would you would put true. Mist even before me <laughs> in yes. like the loves of your life. So this is true. 
I would make out with Mist Online. <laughs> well, well before you would make out with me. Yes, that hurts. A you're you're next. If it makes you feel any better, though, you're next on the list, though. Oh, okay. I'll take whatever place that happens to be. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, <laughs> I won't no, make I out think with my kids. Really... I'll make out with my wife. I won't make out with my kids. I'll make out with Mist Online. <laughs> yes, I'll I... make out with you. Hey. Uh, hey. So. It's a good book. I think it's a good book. I enjoyed it. And it sounds timid. Um I I I it's I have glowing feelings about it. As I was reading the book, it is so descriptive, which is very yes. missed. <laughs> Do you feel like its descriptiveness is a disadvantage to its narrative? I'm very curious. No, about this. no, no. I don't I don't think that. I think the descriptiveness is entirely um, I, I, I think the descriptiveness, because the descriptiveness is in large part due to the protagonist, because the, yeah. the, the point of sort of what Atris is as a person is somebody who goes out in the world and observes it and like a scientist does experiments, tries to figure out those things. So the, the level of detail, given that the story is largely through his point of view Mm-hmm. Makes sense because that's how Atris experiences the world. So you're just experiencing the world as he does. Yes. Right. Uh, which is in a high level of detail. Yeah. I think that is to the narrative's benefit. I think that is the best thing about it. I would say yes. that the description of the world, the description of the things that Atris is interacting with, that is the best component of the book. I it is personally, so vivid. What was that? It's so vivid. It is it's very vivid. So it is well you... detailed and not like laboriously so. And yes, never repetitive. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. It's you are seeing new things and every time you see a new thing, you want to understand how these things connect to each other, how they work. Because Atris wants to understand how they work. Um, and because the, the, the people who have written this book have actually designed it in a way where there is a rhyme and reason behind these things mm-hmm. so it's not him just seeing something be like how does that work yes and never really understanding that uh but they have very much been like there is a rhyme and reason behind all of these things that you you notice and see yeah. the way that these ages that they visit these places that they go to they behave strangely and they try very much to explain that but they also before coming to those conclusions you're having those observations and there there's a setup and there's a payoff in those things and it's beautiful it's beautiful it is uh and this is a crap uh give me a moment i have to look it up i forget the term (laughs) uh there's a term for the the sort of novel this is Okay, well, while you look that up, I will say one thing that I really much enjoy uh, is that I also feel like the I do enjoy the characters. I do enjoy how they interweave these things that, for me, are very familiar, uh, but present them in a way that I think is also very approachable to people who don't have experience with the Myst books. Um, One of the major problems that I have with the book series, though, personally, is that I do feel like um, the, the last third of the book is very rushed yes Um, no i would i would agree with that i have some other issues with the last third of the book i i think the last third of the book sort of undermines the 
agency of our protagonist a bit. Yeah. Um, we it's can, a little we can talk about that though a bit of in the spoiler zone. Cause yeah. It's like the ending. Things, it's a little, but... it's a little spoilery. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I feel like the weakest part of the book is definitely in the last third. Um, so the, the term I was looking for, uh, it is, this is a buildings Roman, um, which is potentially not the correct pronunciation because it is a German word, but it is a buildings Roman novel. Uh, which is a literary genre that is looking at the growth of a child to adulthood. Um, so mm-hmm. this is a very short We're uh, No, 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 no. It, it's from like his infancy all the way up to adolescence, yeah. adulthood. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you include the epilogue, then it gets into solidly adult. It, it, it's a coming solidly of age adult. narrative. What? Yeah. Yeah, very much. The ending is very solidly into his adulthood. Yeah. So... In, in in that, like, it does a very good job of setup and payoff of those observations that we were talking about. Those end up being entirely relevant to adult Atris and how he interacts with the world and how he creates these worlds um, that he is interacting with and how he approaches problems um, versus how his father approaches problems. Uh, all of that is the seeds of that are planted early on in the book and then you get to watch them grow and you get to, you know, think about um, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I I think, again, I think it's a really solid book. I think the characters are pretty strong. I think, with the exception, actually, of Atris himself, I think Atris is potentially one of the weaker characters, even though he is well-developed. Uh, he doesn't have much in the way of complexity. He yeah. He's just like a generically good kid who is generically smart and creative and able to do stuff, which isn't the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah, I, I strongly disagree with you here. I do think that Atris is a very strong character. Um, I, I, I So like in our conversations, and maybe I'm wrong, but in our conversations prior to this recording... My impression has been part of that has been that you have some difficulty excising your knowledge of the game from the book. Yeah. Like if you're looking at what the text presents versus what the, you know, the whole property presents, I I think there's something very, that is a little less nuanced here. It's super important to pay attention to the the beginnings of this book mm-hmm. uh that those are the parts that i cling to in atris's development there are things about him that they set up in that beginning portions of this book that help uh make his character more interesting and engaging that he's a kitty killer oh god we're not gonna get into that it's not at all nick <laughs> um but uh we'll, we will i think we will discuss this more in the spoiler zone but I, I do think that he is a really strong character. Gen is a fantastically strong character. Gen is a very good character. I mean, he's sort of transparently bad, but in- interestingly no. bad. No, no, like, no. yeah, I wouldn't say. I knew I the second trans- I saw him, he was a villain. Like, the yeah. second I read well, him, I, I'm like, he's bad news. Well, That's yes, a he's deadbeat news, daddy. But he's also a character who is very. He is very nuanced. Like, there's yeah. complexity within this. And his driving force 
isn't your stereotypical bad guy driving force. It's a little eugenics-y. Yes, absolutely. He's also a bit of a slaver. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So he is kind of comically evil. But the reasons behind this, the the things that drive him to to do these things are interesting. Yeah, the the story behind the comically evil elements to him are interesting. But they aren't your stereotypical. They aren't your stereotypical thing. They aren't just, I do this because I think I'm the best. Even though he says this, Mm -hmm. you know, him as a character is like, I'm a god. They should all worship me. Yeah. Uh, But that isn't... The, he isn't aware of the things that are leading him to be that way. And Atris is observing these things. And we'll get into it in the spoilers. But Atris observes these things about him and can make the connections as to what, how he got to where he is now. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. It's really interesting. And I very much love that character uh, as, a, as a bad guy. I think he's just a, such an interesting character. And would... Seeing him in Riven is also, uh, if you play the game, yeah. It, it he's the villain in Riven. He is uh shocking. Shocking. And he's is it relevant to what I know based off of this book? Is yes. that okay. Very much so. So like uh in the original Mist, there is almost no uh reference to Riven or a sequel, right? There is a very minor amount of allusion to it. It's really small. And then uh, then Riven happens, and that's when the universe of Mist is really fleshed out and is really comes into its own. Uh, not just from a lore and weird perspective, it's also from, um, from a game design perspective that they really come into their own as making a true masterpiece. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating. It's so good. Yeah, so, uh, so that we can transition... Um, very yes. quickly, uh, how would you rate this book on a scale of Rogue's Hour to 10? I will give this one a 9. It's okay. not a perfect 10. I do think that it slogs at the last third. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's uh, just moments that there are some portions of the book that kind of go a little long and could be tightened up a little more. And there are other things that need to be elongated and need to be give more setup for. Um, so I yeah, feel like I'm... the the... Ending is a bit rushed, but I give it a nine because I love the characters. I love the world, obviously. I get very emotionally attached to it. I feel mm-hmm. the prose is fantastic. Just that tiny little bit is almost perfect for me. Yeah, I'm I'm about an eight. That's okay. That's good. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it was a very good read. It was not hard to read, which for this podcast is... Oh, you know, Nick, a I'm going to go f- full disclosure, Nick... I yes. started reading this book two days before recording. Well, I mean, you had already read it. Twice. Yes. So, like, <laughs> this that's is my not third that time. impressive. And I can say that there are passages in this book that I go and refer to very regularly. Uh, that I read just to have those feelings evoked once more. And to bring that passion back. It is so intense. I love it so much. But Nick, I'm very happy that you gave it an eight, mm-hmm. but I have a question for you. Uh, what's that question, John? Are you ready to go to the spoiler zone? Um, <laughs> this is a little awkward. Uh, not quite. I um, I need to go to the little boy's excreta jugs. Uh, the, the what? Uh, the, uh, don't, don't 
Don't make me say it, man. Oh, come on, Nick. Stop taking yourself so seriously. Fine. The damned poop jugs. I need to go. Well, Nick, while I have you trapped in the bathroom... Yeah? How do you think things are going? Uh, I, I... Fine, I guess. I don't know. I just... I, I feel like we're not doing a good job. I actually think the podcast is going great. But the ads, John. We aren't nailing the ads. If the ads don't make enough money, I, I just... I don't know how long will they'll let us do this for. Who are they? What? Our supers, John. They have been really patient with the rent, thinking that we are about to make it big on the podcast scene. Which, by the way... Uh, we, we now sort of need to call them uh, the excreta poop jugs need to be emptied. Alright, alright, I'll call them. But before we do... <clears throat> Hey y'all, we're back, and it's time for the Spoiler Zone! Spoiler! Alright everybody, we're back from the Spoiler Zone, Nick! Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the book of Atris. Yes, so in the book of Atris we begin um, with a rather dramatic scene. Uh, I don't recall, is this chapter one or in the prologue? It is the prologue. It is the prologue. So off, like, like literally three pages. Yeah, it's yep. three pages, and it's it's jam packed uh, with drama. You you have yes. the scene where it is pouring rain. Um, there is a new child born. A man is bearing his wife and has conflict with his parent. It is it is quite it is quite the way to begin a book with yeah. a woman dying in childbirth. And a man hating on his mother who failed to save his wife. It's quite, yeah. It's very sad. The It is quite it, sad. It, it opens with Gen. Do we know um, the wife's name? Is that provided? We do not. We do not at this moment. Dang no. it. Why? Do, is that a thing that's learned later? Or is she not just in the wife book, of no. Gen? It is wife of Gen in this instance. She does have a name. We do know this, but it's not in the book. Okay. Um... Yeah, Gen is burying his wife in his home, the Cleft, which is this um, this fissure in a desert mm-hmm. uh, that has been his home uh, that his mother, Anna, uh, has taken him and raised him mm-hmm. when he, since he was four years old. Uh, he grew up, fell in love with a human woman. He's Denis, but we don't know this, of course, at the time, um, and falls in love with this woman. They have a child. And she dies in childbirth. He resents his, his mom uh, and decides to run off. He buries his wife yeah. and leaves. It, at and first, the, to me, it was not clear. He doesn't clear. Even acknowledge his kid. He doesn't acknowledge him. Yeah, he refuses to name him even. Yes. Uh, and at first, uh, so towards the end of the prologue, again, only three pages, he looks over the volcanic crater of the cleft. And to me, it almost seemed like it read like he had committed suicide. It, or that, that he was intending to. That's what they kind of make you want to think. Yeah. Um, obviously, he doesn't because he ends up being uh, the primary antagonist of the book. But, yeah. yeah, no, it is just dripping with drama, which is quite nice. Yeah. 
Um, and it sets up the central tension in the narrative, um, which is going to be a tension between, uh, I mean, it, it's largely between uh, Gen and Atris, but I mean, in reality, I think overall it's between Gen and Anna. Yeah, um, it's between Gen is, and his mother and yeah. how he he takes that out on Atris, his son, that he also blames for his wife's death. Yeah. He cared far more about his wife than he did about his child. Yeah, so and, Atris um, uh, gets his name uh, from Anna. Uh, Anna names Atris after his grandfather. Uh, yes. Anna's husband. Anna's husband, yeah, who is deceased at this point. Um, yes. And in fact, I think the book of Atris... That was something I was going to ask you about because there is actually a book of Atris. There is this magical book that allows you to go to uh, a world as described by or created by Atris, um, the grandfather. But Aww. Atris himself. What? Explain. What do you mean? There's a book that you go to that was written by his grandfather, Atris? Yeah. So at some point, uh, Gen gives a book to Atris. That is the book of Atris. No, that is not true. That is true. You're getting this mixed up, actually. So, uh, oh my Gen... God. Yeah, you are, actually. It's okay. It's okay. okay. Sure. Um, so Gen has a journal mm-hmm. that he uses to navigate the city of Dunny and the caverns that lead from the volcano... Uh, that's and the journal the was produced by Atris, and that is the book of Atris. Yeah, but it calls it the book of Atris. It does call that journal the book of Atris. That's annoying. <laughs> yes. Okay. Regardless, there is a book of Atris. I don't know. I was like, is this book making a ref? Is the book of Atris actually about the grandfather? Is that it's the about reference both. in the title? The grandfather. It's about. It's about both. It's meant to uh, to serve as an allusion uh, to what happened in the past. Because we don't know much of what the grandfather, Atris, what his role is in the world of Denis and its fall. Where we do learn about the role of Anna uh, in the fall of the civilization of the Denis. Yeah. Or at least we eventually learn it as it's vomited out by his father at Atris. And it is also a very inaccurate uh, depiction. It, it is very biased against Anna, I'm sure. So the title of the Book of Atris is really meant to, to be, uh, you know, a dual meaning of of talking about Atris the kid and him growing up and becoming a man. Yeah. And the attributes that he has that is a, of uh, a combination of Atris, his grandfather, who he never knew, yeah. and Anna, his grandmother, who raised him. Right. So um, Anna raised Atris... On the cleft, this home that was largely rejected by Gen, especially after the yes. death of his wife. Uh, the cleft is this um, desert region, um, a desert oasis near the base of a volcano. Um, Anna is this eccentric sort of spiritual artist. Yes, that that's the vague vibe I get from her. Yeah, um, absolutely. She's a she's a rock carver. She makes sculptures out of rock. Uh, she trades them for goods uh, from traveling merchants. Yeah. And uh, she's very of course, paranoid them, in her rearing of uh, Atris. Atris is ex- is especially um, important to her. And she, yes. like uh, I, I think in chapter one, the very first scene is uh, her negotiating with traders very far away as Atris is looking at her through these specialized goggles that he has. 
um, yes. because of his Denis birth. Um, yes. They were raised in caves, and so they're not uh, their eyes aren't accustomed to light, and uh, they're not built for that for like sunlight in that way. And so he is born with that. He he can't deal with direct sunlight very easily, and so he has to wear these special glasses. Yeah, and that's one of the ways in which uh, later on Atris uh, correctly identifies his father, or at least eventually is able to make the connection, because his dad also has those glasses. His Dad's like, oh, you have my pair of glasses, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he uses those goggles to be able to help in his observation, to see things from a distance, but to also yeah. really get the details, intricate details of things and help him in his, you know, his observations and discoveries. Yeah, um, and, and sort of the through line, um, which I found really interesting because I think it is, um, it is, what's the word I'm looking for? It is, I mean, Mist is a <laughs> game about observation it is a game about taking in a scene and then making connections and throughout the book there is this phrase that is said that i think is quite wonderful and that phrase is uh what did you see or what do you see and then atris uh begins to tell you what he observed right um, yeah. In his head. Uh, so he always has his grandmother sort of in the back of his head asking him what he has seen in that, which I found that wonderful because something that we struggle with often on this podcast is that there isn't really a strong connection to the game. There might be a connection to some of the theming or something like that. But here, like there's almost there's a reference to the gameplay. How yes. you're supposed to interact with Mist is being modeled by the protagonist. Yeah, because the, their idea when designing the Mist franchise and what Cyan Games do, did, that one of the major things that they, they really tried to do is talk about how important that sort of idea is to Denis culture in general. It's how they design their puzzles. They love to make puzzles for people. Mm-hmm. They love to... Um, to base hide meaning within everything and make everything be about observation what you see how things work and interact that is just a cultural norm for them yeah um and that is reinforced by anna anna acts as this very integral anchor in this book for atris in those moments when she's not even there later on yeah but she is setting the stage for atris the beginning portions of this book are her raising him Mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily events that are important to the plot yeah but they're very important for setting up these characters and to set the tone of what atris is as a person yeah and And this is consistent uh, with like a buildings roman novel this this sort of novel you don't not everything needs to be an important stepping stone towards you know the climax and resolution of the plot a lot of it is looking at the growth of a person which i i don't know about your life john but my life hasn't had many like literal plot moments it's been messy and lots of boring crap happens and a lot of those things build up to develop me as a person but you can't tell what those things are so you're focusing on those little things that make Atris who he is and yes. then seeing how that affects him in his adolescence and adulthood. Yeah. Because there's moments where Anna is, she goes and is able to trade for a cat, a kitten. 
mm-hmm. for Atrus, his first ever pet. Yep. And how, so he's a little boy mm-hmm. at that time. He's like six at that time. And how his love for that, he's still wanting bedtime stories where she tells him these uh, stories about Denis, which he thinks of as uh, as just fairy tales, but they're a very real thing based off of very real people. And uh, and then as he grows up, you know, there's a, a, a torrential downpour of rain that happens once in a lifetime in the desert and him seeing it for the first time and how the crops grow and how overnight Anna wakes him up just to show him like how the desert is alive with life for one day only before everything dies. And he observes these blue flowers that are only there once, you know, in that moment when it rains and how he obsesses over this idea of beauty in these places that doesn't seemingly has none. Yeah. And Um, I, I, I think one of the really cool things that you see here is, so I mentioned earlier that the central tension of the narrative is between Gen and Anna, really, where we have two, uh, differing perspectives on the world, on the conflict that led to the end of the Denis. And it is these two different realities that are fighting for the soul of Atris, right? Yes. Even when Anna isn't present, that that rearing of hers um, is still important and is informing the actions of Atris and his reaction to his father and his father's um, behavior. But I think something that's also interesting here is that one of the other tensions that we have in the narrative is between um, sort of bad misplay and good misplay. Yes. <laughs> like the, the 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 good missed player is somebody who sees in the desert the the beauty and the love and the craftsmanship of the game and appreciates that and uh, approaches uh, problems creatively where a bad misplayer is one who overlooks things, who doesn't care about the things that seem to be boring to them that are actually cares secretly very only important. of efficiency yeah. and and not does cares not for uh poet uh you know uh poetic you know uh, yeah. just joy and overflowing passion. He cares only about efficiency yeah. and getting to the point and getting to the goal of what they want to do. Yeah, and I oh, think my goodness. as as a novel, this is the first time we've interacted with a book that tells you how the game wants to be interacted with. Yes. <laughs> it tells you how the game wants you to play it, which is a really interesting idea that the novel isn't just sort of a regurgitation of a story that might have happened in or like a riff on a story, but is informing the player about the mechanics of the game, that is informing the player of the value of the game. I'm going to cry, Nick. I'm going to cry because, like, I have reinforced this idea constantly that as a, as a game designer, when you should be reinforcing players on the the vision that you have and and reinforcing the morals and and perspective on how to approach a game and this this cyan games does this so spectacularly in everything that they do atris literally models it for you he literally models for you how you're meant to interact with their games yes it, it it's trying to set the tone and set the precedent Mm-hmm. For people to want to approach their games with that mindset, to with, with that passion and with that curiosity. And it's trying to reinforce that this is how you should be as a person. 
that you should have this curiosity and have this love and compassion and joy and to uh, really downplay the ideas of efficiency, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and brute force your way through things to, and that your goal is far more important than everything that leads up to it. I, I think um, I literally at some point in the novel texted you is again, just a metaphor for a bad miss player. Is that, I, is that just what he is? Um, when you when you say this, like I literally, it's like you take my breath away, Nick. When you when you make those when you make those observations, because it is very apparent. It is for me. It's very mm -hmm. apparent, and it is uh, quintessential to how I view and understand video games. Is very much inspired by the work of Cyan Games mm -hmm. and the work of the Millers and. Um, Richard Watson, who's a very important person in the development of these games, um, these these things that you're that forgetting. David Wingrove. Wingrove is just the writer of this book, which he 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 punches it up. He's the guy who punches it up. Robin Miller, um, he wrote the first like draft of this book, and then they got a lot of input, and then they had David Wingrove come in to to help make it seem more, you know, booky. more novelly, more booky. Um, <laughs> And it's fantastic. Let's it make is... this book a book. Oh my gosh! So, anyways, I'm sorry. We are gonna go. Oh, this is gonna be a long podcast. It'll be fine. Uh, so, where were we? Uh, so, we were at. We we've been talking about Atris's youth. At some point, Atris. We see Atris age from youth to adolescence, and the the death of his cat is what marks that age. Which is why I'm quite upset. That that change, that transition in life is marked by the death of a cat, and I, I find it reprehensible morally and narratively. Let's talk about it for a second here. No. Okay, so mm -hmm. the rains had happened, and he is observing these plants growing. I know, I know, I know, folks. We we were like we are literally on like page fifteen. <laughs> It'll start to pick up at some point. It it does. The game book definitely definitely does. But he's observing these plant growth and he's trying to understand why certain plants are growing more healthily than others. Yeah. And so he starts to do an analysis of the soil and these sorts of things to look at minerals. And him being a kid still, mm -hmm. he's experimenting with what sort of minerals are, are helping these things. And so he thinks he has this idea of what is going to work to make all the plants grow better. Mm -hmm. um, and they do. They grow better. But yes. in reality, it also poisons. <laughs> yeah. So he realizes the, the that uh, for whatever reason, um, the soil on top of allowing these plants to grow better, also it has things like cyanide and other uh, poisonous um, heavy metals. Uh, and this is how he loses his cat because his cat yeah. is eating the fruits of his labor. Uh, and before he discovers that it is poison, um, and then the cat dies, and it's it's quite yeah. tragic. Well, he also gets very sick too. He eats it and gets very sick, and he's really upset about this. Yeah. And I I understand that you don't like the the animal dying, but it's oh, very I, much. I, I mean, also that, that's show mostly a joke. Don't tell our sponsor. But but yeah, it was actually quite upsetting. It like, is. It is. It was very upsetting uh, to, to watch read. a little boy and lose the cat that he loves so much. And the depiction of the cat is fantastic. He like he draws the cat. Yeah. He wants like he's going to bed and he doesn't want to go to sleep. He wants to stay up a little longer as kids would do. And the never loved like, no. the cat more. Yeah, and he's like I want to draw her. Can I draw her right now? And he's like no and and like sleeping with the cat and the cat always kind of just being there. 
Um, but it, it's very important for this character because of how upset he is. Well, yes. And, so part of the point is to illustrate his compassion. Um, yeah. Another part of the point, this this focus on detail, this interest in soil chemistry, these observations are very important to how Atris approaches problems in world building later. Um, yes. So this is this is not irrelevant. Like it sounds like irrelevant crap, but it is actually very important because th- this is uh, ends up being like a place where Atris and Gen diverge in their approaches um, in their, and their approaches understanding for- of how the world works building these connections to these other worlds mm-hmm. and how they, they write their books to make those connections and how Atris approaches these things. It, it sets up his, his mindset and his approach yeah. to this. It's, it's not just a purely scientific approach. Mm-hmm. There's also this very um, emotional approach to it as well yeah, that, it, he, that he weaves wonderfully together. And this is also a moment where he decides to be more careful, which is funny because that is immediately <laughs> contradicted. <laughs> But, like, I would say that post this moment, he is generally more wary. And and that is something that we'll talk about in a moment, how that is manifested and illustrated in the novel. But he is a very careful individual when it comes to experimentation and when it comes to the literal world building that they do with uh, their books. So this moment informs things that happen later, which is great. Like, it's not just a throwaway. It could easily be one. Yeah. But it isn't. It isn't. And that's... It's just... It gets to me. Because I connect so much with that. Because you you again talk about Atris being this Mary Sue, but we're seeing how he gets to be where he is. It's not him just being that because that's that's what he is. You know? Atris is... we're watching the evolution of that. We're watching him fail and understanding where those failings come from and, and him making the cognitive choice to be like, I have to be more careful. I have to be more uh, precise and I have to be more observant to understand this world better. And that is not something that a Mary Sue does. A Mary Sue just says, Snap my fingers. I did it. Look at me. I'm just naturally gifted. I suppose I the thing I struggle with um with Atris as a character is that there isn't I don't feel that like there's a lot of moral dilemma in him. Like there is he sort of pegs his dad as being bad from the get-go. Like, no, even, I eh. don't agree with that. He doesn't in the beginning. He does not. He know. doesn't like so from the very he beginning. Worships he worships his dad. Not really. Like yes, from oh, the very so, beginning, he dislikes that he is taking him away from Anna, and that causes a tension between them. He yes. likes his father strictly because his dad is bringing him to this new place. But from the very beginning, he's like, my like for you is contingent on the fact that you were showing me things that I didn't even envision were real and that um, I will end up getting to see my grandmother again. (laughs) Yes, My my like for you is contingent on these two things. And then even before he realizes that one of those uh, contingencies are going to be violated, he starts to be like, this guy's nuts losing it well okay so what what happens after the 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 cat passes and he grows up he has an experiment to build a battery 
and and create electricity for the cleft, right? That's the yes. next thing. That is the goal. Because um, he's trying to help his grandmother do tasks. We don't really ever older. have like a proper teenage Atris either. He's still sort of wise beyond his years, very mature for a young man. Yeah. If occasionally going a little, you know, far in his experimentation. Yes. But you, you come on, you can see where I'm having like there's no moment where he's a brat. Like the, he's called a brat by his dad, but that actually well, he actually is kind of in his perception of Gen and he is very much uh I mean we can get into it more a little bit later. Let's put a pin in it. Um, but th- there's interactions with his dad where he's like, I'm smarter than you. I'm better than you. You don't know what you're doing. But he's, you know? he's also right. Is the thing. He's also right. <laughs> but he is like, he is not looking into, you know, what made, he's not caring about the things that made Gen the way that he is, you mm-hmm. know? And he's very much more like, give you the middle finger. I do what I want, even though he is right. Yeah, I he's, mean, like, he has every reason to want to give Gen the middle finger. Gen is a... Yes, is absolutely. A, a bastard all around. Like, he but abandoned he has his a, child. He then he has a chip his on his shoulder. From his parent, the only parent yeah. that child has ever known. Yes. Uh, and then mistreats him pretty much so, exclusively. So, in the creation of this experiment with a battery, he causes an explosion. And Yes, it, and knocks himself into the cleft. Yeah. Oh, not into the cleft. It creates a crater out uh, yeah. just uh, by the volcano. Yes. And he falls into that that In, crater. Into that, yeah, into that crater. There is a secret. There's a passage. There's a cave at the base of this crater that opens up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anna saves him and says, "You can never go into that passage." Yes. He's like, "But my battery." He didn't get his battery. He's like, "It's charged. I know. I I did it. I know I succeeded. I have to go and get it." And she's like, "Nope. You're never." going back <laughs> and, uh, remind night- me he did see yeah. someone as well am i mistaken no no so he did it, like, what happens is he he sneaks out yeah. to get his battery and he decides to explore a little bit of the passageway yeah. and he sees denis lettering engraved on the stone yeah of uh the the cave and he's like what is this mm-hmm. and he heads back in time so that anna doesn't know anything but he asks her a question. Like she, she's onto him. She's like, "You got the battery back. You did you go in there?" And he's like, "Yes." And she's like, "You can never do that." And but she decides to like teach him Denis lettering and the language so that he can at least understand that stuff. But but to not go in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when Gen comes back. Yes, conveniently. Oh, conveniently. Yeah, in the distance, Atris notices a person coming by, and it is Gen. And you know that he's evil because he is very much like, Mom's like, I'm so glad to see you hugging him. And he is just like, touch her on the shoulder, separate. And he's like, I've just come for the boy. Like, that's it. Yeah. No, and no, he, like, he's, well, I mean, you also, if you read the prologue, you know he's a bastard. Like, yeah. He yeah, left his well, child. He was an 18-year-old kid yeah. who had a, had, a, had a baby, and, you know... You you know I mean, that that experience hasn't like the that 
Atris, his son, has not had anything to do with his life. In that moment, you now have confirmation that that doesn't weigh on his mind at all. Like, he does yeah. not care, except for that maybe Anna has put some ideas in Atris's head that he doesn't like. But other than that, yeah. he doesn't give a crap that his... He Atris is a tool. Yeah, that he, has, he hasn't been involved in his son's life. Look, the, the only line to Denis that he has is Atris, right? Yeah. That's the... That's the only true Denis that he knows. Yeah. And he wants to keep that going. He wants to keep the Denis people going. So he is, Anna's like, you know, it's so good to see you. I'm so happy to see you. And this is your son, Atris. And Gan, of course, is like, you called him Atris? Like, oh, I'm sorry, what? With, you know, because his dad was named that. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, we're leaving tomorrow morning. I'm taking Atris with me. And Anna's just like, the fuck you are like no you're not taking that boy and gens was like he's my kid you he, he is mine i he is my property by birthright like mm-hmm. he is my property i, I you know and, he, and yeah he does talk like, about his son like he's a car like <laughs> yeah like he's a car yep i'm his father i get to decide what to do for, for him. i have the title yep. <laughs> and, show uh, me the title if you got it then you can have him but I and it. so, so Gan says that like in I think it's like three months time, uh, he will will come and visit. Yeah, you know he will come and visit in three months time. And Anna's like, okay, like that's fine. Um, and she goes and tells Atris like you're gonna go with him, right? And Atris like yes, I'm gonna go with him. And she's like okay, so listen, you will li- listen and obey your father, but at no point in your your time are you going to betray your true self, these things that I've taught you, these these morals and ideals that make you who you are, you will never betray those. You will nod your head to everything he says, but you do not have to do everything that he says if it goes into conflict with who you are. Yeah. And they begin their descent into the cleft. Uh, or not in the cleft, uh, into the caverns that lead down to the city of Denis, of these great civilization and people who were long lost. Um, Atris sees all these amazing spectacles of rock formations and, you know, magma and all this wonderful things. And he's trying to start a conversation with his father and it is not working. Gen is not interested in conversation. He's cares far more about getting to knee to knee as fast as possible. Yeah. And occasionally um, he puts his son's life at risk um, yes. to accomplish this because he doesn't notice Atris. Atris isn't mm. there in his mind. He just is. His goal is get back to Denis as fast as possible. As fast as possible. I will leave that kid behind if I need to. Mm-hmm. If it's going to stop me from doing what I need to do. Yeah. Atris gets. He injures his foot. Gen is annoyed by this, and Gen's like, "Uh, you know, you're going to change clothes. I have clothes for you. True Denis clothes. You're a Denis person. You are not that rat in the cleft." that disgusting piece of filth you're changing into these boots and atris is like i'm injured these things aren't going to help me it might help my foot and like these boots don't even fit like you you aren't being a good dad and yeah. gen's like okay he tries to heal like give him a salve try to be a good dad Does um, some drugs oh. gen smokes a pipe in this yeah it's drugs it, it, it's it's not it's not a it's not a tobacco pipe. 
No. <laughs> That's not what it is. Yeah, That's not what it is. He, he, he smokes said pipe, and then he becomes delirious and eventually passes out, wakes up with uh, hangover-like quality. He is yeah. somewhere between, like, I don't know, a crack and alcohol user. <laughs> like, Yeah. It is so um, an interesting they, they, little tidbit about yeah his about personality Gan. yeah yeah um, but they continued on their trek uh, and eventually after like three or four days they were able to make it to the city of Denis. It's a winding, confusing passageway. Gan is referencing this journal that has a map in it um, constantly, and Atrus is like, "Wow, how brave of him to go through this these caverns and." meticulously write down all this information and catalog this how courageous he must be how strong he must be Mm -hmm. to survive this and to overcome these odds and he must be so smart and so brave and all these wonderful stuff he's yeah eventually we learn all of that as a farce all of that as a farce because this book was not written by him it's his daddy's book it's his daddy's (laughs) book he inherited his daddy's money um his daddy's money was knowledge they finally reach the outskirts of Denis. They have to take these, uh, you know, these, these, uh, you know, detours because the the paths, the rocks have been destroyed and the path has been blockaded and all this sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they make it to the outskirts of the city, and there's a moment when he sees the city for the first time. And I I have it bookmarked. I'm going to read a small portion of this. Let's see. Atrus looked to his father, surprised that he talked of the Denis as if they still existed. Then he looked back, taking in the sheer size of the great stone gate that was revealed beyond the tunnel's exit. As they came out, he looked up and up and up, his mouth open in wonder. Though the surface was cracked in places and fragments had fallen away, littering the great expanse of marbled floor that laid before them, it was still magnificent, filling the whole of one end of what was clearly a vast cavern. The huge stone barrier plugged that space from wall to wall, its surface filled with what seemed like an infinity of intertwining shapes, of men, machines, and beasts, of flowers and shields and faces, and Denis words, some of which he recognized, all of it cut from a jet-black granite that seemed to sparkle in the light from Gen's lantern. The gate dwarfed them like nothing they had seen so far seen. As he walked toward it, Atrus felt the hairs on his neck rise, Whatever he had pictured in his head, whatever he'd imagined while listening to Anna's tales, the reality exceeded it by far. I just, I love it. Love yeah, it so no, much. That, that, that's like the entire book. Yeah. It's Every, like all the way. There. If you want to know how we feel about it, it is overwhelmingly positive. I am marginally more critical of it than John. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, He'll so forgive they, me. They read... They reach Denis and they see the remnants of this civilization, these huge machinery and and the um, the industrial sector of the city left in ruins, steam vents left untapped for powering their their gigantic you know uh, metalworks, and there's this enormous orange lake that he sees this this. Uh, plankton that exist in this link are bioluminescent and they give off this orange glow and they become more active uh, during different times of day. Like they, they even talk about the day night cycle of Denis mm-hmm. and how just it's based on the bioluminescence of these al- these Which plankton is the analogy. most missed thing you could do. Oh, and, and, and it missed online 
you were there and the lake is there and you are actually there's a, a portion of the game where you are actively trying to create nutritional pellets to help uh, enhance and breed these plankton to give life back to this isn't there literally lake. a moment in the book where just uh, this is a bit of a throwaway like just yeah. you know atris is doing generic work on the island and he finds that there's a pipe that has broken from the ancient city that is pumping mm-hmm. uh, dangerous pollutants. So he caps it off. Like it yes. doesn't it doesn't feed into anything except for to again establish um, yes, his to attention establish to the... detail. Mm-hmm. And, and how he truly cares of Denis. He yeah. cares more of the city and he wants to take care of it. Regan says this, but he does not care about the city in the slightest. Or the art, like this is so we're we're coming on to, I I think the really important portion of and and, and where it becomes clear that this is about good versus bad gameplay, um, yes. which is the world creation bit. But before we get there, um, oh god, there's so much. They don't they, they don't quite get there yet. This he, is he so takes... long. I know. I'm so sorry, but it's, oh, so, Lord. it's so important to me. It's so important to me I that we talk know. about this book because it's my favorite. They take a boat uh, out into the <laughs> sea. I know. And uh, they uh, again is stationed on an island mansion called Kavir. Yes. Uh, it is a beautiful place. I, I know a lot about Kavir as an island. I, I won't go mm-hmm. into that detail for your sanity. Um, and uh, that's where he keeps residence. It's this enormous palatial mansion on a tiny island uh, just outside of Agura, which is the main political island where all the guilds are stationed and the, the government, the base government is actually located where all the rich people are. Um, and uh, Atris meets Gen's servant. Um, his servant is called... Righteous. Do you remember his servant? Righteous. Righteous is a mute. And um, Gen offers him fruit. And when Atrus tries to pick it up, it all just kind of falls apart in his hands as like this indication of how crappy Gen is. Yeah, sort of the knowledge that Gen gives you is as nutritious as this rotten fruit. Um, Yes. Yeah, that was weird, that part, because I wasn't sure. I think maybe in hindsight that is literally what it's trying to do. It is setting up that the fruit of knowledge provided to you by Gen is poisonous that it is yes not healthy uh or helpful but and in the moment i was like i don't know how what test he failed because gen was like livid that he couldn't find edible fruit amongst this rotten fruit basket and i'm like what what's going on (laughs) it's also like i think it's indicative of his lack of care not only for atris but just his lack of care of detail in general it's about show. It's yeah. it's all for show. I can provide um, you food, but I mean, ultimately, that food's garbage. Yeah. So he's like, I want to show you something. And he shows Atris a book. And he puts Atris's hand on it and takes him to another world. Mm-hmm. Introduces him to the world of Denis. Uh, the, this, this, uh, the Denis are able to make books that... He's like, we create worlds. Yes. By writing. We are gods. We were, you know... We were gods of men. I don't think it's and ever resolved as to whether or not that is true. It is absolutely resolved. So is um, it true? Because I never, because Atrus is suspicious well, that it isn't the case. That it is just it, that there are, 
millions it's not of a, worlds. It is not resolved in this book, okay. but it is resolved in the world of Mist. They well, are not. Well, don't don't say it's resolved when I <laughs> haven't read all of these things. Yeah, they are not creating worlds. They are creating a link to a world. Okay. Essentially, uh, when writing in these books, you are connecting to. Uh, you know, the infinite possibilities of, you know, of existence uh, to a place that matches your descriptions, that meets those requirements that you are setting. Um, there's an infinite number of possibilities, you know, mm-hmm. and you're tapping into that by doing a, a very eloquent search engine. Um, and so, and again, it's like, we can make these worlds. Do you want to do that? Gods and Atris is like, yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> I would like to be a god, thanks. Yeah. What, what's uh, the so line get... from Ghostbusters? If somebody <laughs> asks you if you're a god, you say yes. You say yes. Yeah. Um, so they get to work. This is where Nick is. This is where Nick is like, yes. This is indicative. They decide to go to the Jeteri district. They go to mm-hmm. the main island of Agura. Which, have Agura. I been to the Jeteri district? Is that a thing that was accessible in Guru? Oh. Or no? Is this damn so triggering Mist- you on accident? No, you're not tricking me. No, 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 no. It's it's just a sad thing. Um, in Mist Online, uh, uh, just a quick aside. I'm sorry. The <laughs> how many of those have we had? The Dene Restoration Council, a group of people who helped to discover humans who discovered Dene, want to restore it, and they. That's it, kind of the plot of the MMO. And there are GMs, game masters, who are playing as these characters. They even have like a a website, a real life website that is in character of the Dene Restoration Council, and they have a list of like all the stuff they're working on, which is all the content that's going to be released that they are working on, and what stage it's at, and what they're kind of doing to get it released. Um, and the Jeteri District is 100% on there, but it was never released. Mm. We never got to see it. Good. And so um, on the way to the <laughs> Jeteri District, I, I know. On the way to the Jeteri District, um, they see a lot of the more poor residents. You know, Atris is observing the difference between the poor and the rich here mm-hmm. and, and how they live their lives. This yeah. Technically, this only pl- takes place um, a little more than 30 years mm-hmm. after the fall of the entire civilization so everything's still pretty fresh yeah I, I will when, say this is also yeah. where he sees complications in the narrative being provided him by his father yes so again we we have a very careful observer of Denis culture i mean post its fall uh versus again who having sort of lived in it as a youth yeah. is less he has more nostalgia for uh the Dini and the Dini people um yeah. and is less critical of the potentially problematic elements of his former country absolutely people. yes um and so as they they progress um they come up to a library it's locked and this is another highlight oh, that Nick points out that is so fantastic. And it hurts my heart to even like read these segments. Regan's answer to opening mm-hmm. this door and and uh, unlocking it is to take this like uh, this pipe to it, smash it, and just smash it over and over again. Like this is when this I sent you the text. Door. Yeah. This is when I sent you the text. I'm yeah. like this game, this book. Is about how to play Mist. And I knew Ken exactly. Does not know how to play Mist. 
I knew exactly where you were as well. When you texted it to me, I was like, he got to this point. Um, and he's like breaking this ornate door and just smashing it to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and Atrus is like, what, what? We could be. We could have figured a way in, man. No, no, no. Atrus um, knew. That, no, that, that was that's the thing. Later. He had that's solved later. the puzzle. That's a different. That's further in the library. It, okay. They, he continues to, to observe these things. Observe Gen just ripping things apart. Yeah. Um. And so he's introduced to this world where there's a library that has these books that take you places. So they enter the library, and you're introduced to what a library is for the Dene people. It's very different. Mm-hmm. It, it's ages that people go to who can't afford their own ages um these books that take you to places are reserved for uh the the super rich and so they're also put into these libraries that are places that people can go to and and visit on their own mm-hmm. um atris is interested in gathering these books but again is like no those aren't what we're looking for and atris is really confused like why these are these are the books you want right these are books these are amazing things again like those are garbage you don't know where that's going to take you it could be destroyed by now that 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 world could be nothing but an empty void and you would just go there and die like no (laughs) we don't do that Mm -hmm. um and they find their way to a secret passage that leads to a puzzle what was this puzzle you remember this puzzle nick uh i don't remember the components of it no there are a series of of geometric shapes and they're all in kind of a random area. And Atris is looking at this and he's like, uh, it's like an elevator, but this is the yes. puzzle. He's like, there, there's a there's a geometric progression here and what we need to do. And then Gen just breaks. He takes a pillar uh, and just smashes the wall yeah. and then starts manipulating the machine with his hands. And Atris is like, I figured it out. Like we could, didn't have to smash everything. Gen's like, it's a waste of time. Waste yeah. of time. We have things to do. Let's go. Which is really interesting because... You have Gen, who's claiming to be in love with the Dene, but A, he doesn't see the warts, he ignores those, and B, he happily destroys things that just happen to get in his way. Like he has, yeah. like he has almost an abusive relationship with his his culture. It is not only does he ignore the warts, he ignores the beauty. He yeah. ignores like the thing that makes Dene. Yeah, this love of puzzles. And this creativity in creating these links to these worlds, and and that's what he cares just far more about um, the most. He cares about uh, the power that he remembers the Dini having. That is yes. what he idolizes. That is what he is concerned with. That is the and was only never thing given that matters the, to him. He was never given the foundation of understanding what that means. He yes. just knew the end goal of that. He never learned what it took to get there, or the responsibility um, the power gave. Yes. Yeah. And so by by manipulating the machine, they're able to get access to a book repository of descriptive books. Mm-hmm. Um, they see people writing uh, the like skeletons uh, at desks with you know ink and and pen. Yeah. And like there were people that were died very suddenly here. Yeah. That that is know. the the thrust of that is the it illustrates that folks died suddenly, which is interesting because archaeologically that is often. Like when all of a sudden there are a bunch of dead people all in the same place. That's not not good, bad. Not good. Not good. And it's uh, very much the case. Yeah, there's many Scythian uh, burials. So the Scythians are this 
Eastern European group. Uh, and when you look in the, the burials with the dude, there's like an old guy who's dead and then a bunch of ladies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take much to figure out what happened to the ladies. Yep. Uh, anyway, um, so these folks so, dead very suddenly because the skeletons yeah. are all here. Atrus finds these blank books. He finds these blank books, and they are descriptive books. So what that means, um, to be a gigantic nerd here, is that when writing the connection to the ages, you write in a descriptive book. It's mm-hmm. an enormous book within which you write all of the details and facets of the world. There needs to be an incredible balance behind these things. If there are contradictions, if there are... Uh, not enough information, that sort of thing can help make the world unstable. Um, and that is like the most precious book. Then there are these other books that are much thinner that are linking books that you can use as kind of like your easy passport. Those are ones that can take you to those places. They connect to the descriptive book in some way and are able to take you to places. They're, they, you know, they're the, the convenient thing. Um, and so again, is looking for descriptive books to make those connections to big ages. Um, and he takes Atrus to a place, um, one of his ages of his creations, the 37th age. Gen doesn't name his ages. He doesn't care. Yeah. He, he, They're yeah, numbers. He just gives them numbers. That's the 37th one he's worked on. Yeah. What's there, Nick? Do you remember? Um, there is an unstable world um, filled with huts. <laughs> There is a servant whose name is One. Yes, I think one. he is the first person he encountered, and he is like, you shall worship me. Uh, you don't learn his name until Atrist asks it of him later. Uh, this world consists of an island of huts that is surrounded by ocean, given that it's an island. And then yes. as you look out <laughs> uh, far past the island, you see a wall of mist. Which yes. is not a reference to the the title of the book, yeah. As I Again, originally it's... posited, uh, which by the yeah. way, I'm not sure if it was the Scythians uh, that I'm thinking of. I was looking into that. I'm not confident. Send your Scythians. corrections to us at please don't literate pixel podcast. Please don't. I, I don't study the Scythians. They're not my thing. I just remember tell, they're being. Tell Nick how wrong he is, please. I'm, I'm consistently wrong. I'm a big fat dum dum. That is. <laughs> You're That's my big fat dum dum, Nick. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um. So Gen has set himself up as a god. Um. They worship him. There's a temple to him. Yes. Uh. And he is a very spiteful god. If you disobey me, if you go against my will, I will destroy your world. I created it. I yes. can easily destroy it. In this world, there was a previous god, and that god is the Wall of Mist. So yes. there is a boundary in the ocean where the fishermen will not cross. And if you do cross it, um, it will cause bad things um, for the people who cross it. Um, yeah. Which Atrus you accidentally up, violates that boundary. Yes. Do you pick up on what that actually is? Um, so it's a current. Yeah. It's a so current it, caused what... by, the, uh, by the interaction between warmer and colder water. And that's also what leads to the mist. But... So what's actually happening is that this this fishing village is mm. on a shelf yeah. high up in the air. Yeah. And so that is actually a drop-off. That is a waterfall drop-off. Oh. That leads down to a major ocean below. I see. Yeah. 
And uh, so that's what's causing this mist is also these major temperature differences because the water is incredibly cold at that drop off because it's not on any land whatsoever. They're actually not on anything and it's just slowly getting pulled down that shelf. Um, and how, uh, how is this even possible from a geological perspective? That's why Gen is a terrible age writer. Well, but what's funny is that he's not a terrible age writer, and that like, I mean, he's a bad age writer, and that he keeps bringing himself to bad places. But this is literally a place that does exist. Yes, it, it, it is a place that exists independent of him. So what they, what they how they kind of described this was that there is mountains in the place, so there mm-hmm. is something that's helped kind of to, to fuel this more, but also that there are heavy, extremely heavy rains that happen, um, causing erosion. Yeah, and all this other crazy stuff. So what? So what? So Atris decides to go on a boat. Um, Gen has things to happen because there's there's fissures I'm starting to a, emerge. There are islands disappearing, and uh, Gen gives Atris some of the descriptive words he used to write this age and says, I want you to go look out and observe this, this world I've made and see what these descriptive things, what those are attributed to. Like, where do you find these things? So Atreus decides to go out into the water and to learn about the fish and, and the mist. And he, the says the fisherman to go out into the mist and like, no, it's like, you have to, my dad's a God. And they're like, okay, and they're going to die. And Atrus is able to save them by by mm-hmm. overcoming the current. Um, and they're like, we betrayed the mist. Like, we cheated death. And Atrus is very confused by this thing. And so he asks, and they're like, the mist was our god before again. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you, god, be missed? He tells Gen this. Gen's pissed off. And he's like, I'm just going to change the descriptive book a little bit. To complete so that it doesn't <clears throat> destroy the link, you can make major changes, which would cause uh, the the link to that world to be moot. Mm-hmm. He makes a small change, and he removes the mist completely by making the water warm. Yes, and uh, that has catastrophic events in the future for this island. Yeah, um, uh, but what's interesting is that it technically doesn't, because all he's really done is move them to a slightly different place. Yeah. Well, that, that's so, the thing I do struggle with when it comes to like how the, the fantasy works. I will it, explain this to you when we get to that point, Nick. Okay. Don't worry. I, um, would you agree with me that it's not entirely clear in text? Yeah. Okay. It's not entirely clear. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, meh, it doesn't make much sense. That's fine. It's fantasy, but there are certain things that do when you really t- when I really break it down. Um, but Atrus like, I want to stay here. I can fix this. I can fix this. So let me see the descriptive book. I can make this place better. I can stabilize it. I can do this. And Gen's like, you're never going to see that descriptive book. No. And Atrus like, well, can we set up a lab for me so that I can do some research so that I can at least help you understand what's gone wrong. And Gen's like, we can set up a lab, but you are not staying here. We'll visit here in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So Atrus, you know, um, says, fine. Uh, Gen's like, you're going to start working on your own book. You're going to make your own age. Here's the practice that you need to do. And uh, Atrus dives into this wholeheartedly. Um, he's so excited to learn about these things. And um, 
and he starts to write does he get he gets in a fight about his mom at this point right yeah so um there's a conflict where atris is like i need to it's four months three to four months have passed and it is time that we go back and we you know meet anna again and gan's like nah i don't care about that i just told the old bat that so that she would let you go and Atris is like, no, I legitimately would like to see the woman who raised me because I love her as a mother because she is yeah. the only parent I had. And Gen's like, I don't care for your sentimentality. Screw off. And this is like the first flare of tension between them. Um, this is a fight. Yeah. Like yeah, they have a legitimate like, she's fight. She's nothing. Yeah. She's worthless. Uh, the cleft is worthless. Again, referencing. So this place yeah. that we spent a really long time reading and seeing the beauty in, he dismisses as being a garbage fire. Yeah. And um, Atris is, is standing firm and Gens like, you don't even know who she really is, do you? Yeah, which, by the way, I think I was thinking of a Chalcolithic um, mass grave in Croatia. Okay, Nick. <laughs> so Gens been talks about... He's like, do you know that? Do you know about the fall of Denis? And it's just like, uh, no. He knows, but he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows that. So they fell. Uh, you know that it fell, but he he Does and he, he knows know the, the story. Tiana. He knows of Tiana and Veovis. Um, he knows of Tiana, but he doesn't know who that is. Yes, I mean he's not smart. <laughs> uh, so Gen talks about. Uh, Veovis, it was a great guildsman. He was a member of the high council that ran, that ruled Denis, um, and was a brilliant writer, but something had happened where he started to, um, start unrest with the lower ranks of people. He was making, getting the poor people upset about the rich people Mm -hmm. and they started to do an uprising and, uh, they learned that Veovis was behind, was Veovis was behind it. They went to imprison him. He somehow escaped. Then started terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. Like, bombs are going off at ink-making plants. Um, and people are storming the gates of, like, the rich homes and just murdering people. Uh, Gen talks about him being four years old and being put into the Ink Makers Guild by his parents. Um, and him not seeing them. Him living there with the Ink Makers at four and looking out the window and watching these people sweep through the streets and murder people and how it took like seven days for it to be finally stopped. Veovis is brought to justice and they're going to um, put him to death. And a woman named Tiana steps up and does a speech about why they should spare his life. He should be imprisoned. And that sort of thing, but he should be spared. Um, and she is so revered by the council that they decide to take her her testimony as a judgment of, you know, his his life. So Veovis is spared. Veovis is somehow able to escape again. And everyone dies. Oops. That's and that is it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Atris shows his cards like I know this, and he's like, "Yeah, if you know this, then Tiana, you don't know that Tiana's Anna. Like your your grandmother is that woman who spared his life and is why everybody's dead." 
Yeah. You know, and 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 it was like, you know, you blame her. And he's like, no, I, I don't. You know, I resent her because of the things. But and he's like, no, I don't hate her, but I hate her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he 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 puts Atrus in his room for three days with no food, no contact, nothing. Atrus is alone for three days. He snuck some food in there, and that's when he's like, "Atrus, you're going to write your own book." He after that he comes out and says, "We have to talk. Um, your your grandmother is a nobody, and you should never love her. She's evil, and mm-hmm. I'm the only thing in your life that loves you. I want you to write a book." And he's yeah. just like, I want to write a book. I'll do it. And also, um, under no circumstances, ever question me again. Yes. Never, and and he just goes, okay. And he remembers Tiana or Anna's words. And is like, yeah, I will say yes. I will nod and say yes. But I am not going to do that. You know? I know that you are stupid. <laughs> You're a bad person. I've been told that. So Aegis writes uh, multiple ages. And Gen lets him pick one to be like the one and it's atrius's world where there's blue flowers yes and he loves a reference to the blue flowers in the cleft yep and he even makes an homage to the cleft where he was raised in the landscape there is a place that very much mimics where you come in to the age is very much like his home in the cleft but it's a beautiful verdant land um and again it's like perfect you are now ready to ascend to godhood let's start the ritual and um, they they go to age 37, the 37th age, and the waters have all disappeared. They're all gone. And the people are like, everything has gone away. You need to help us. We're all going to die. Like, everything's dried up. We don't have anything. We're all going to die. And Gen's like, let's start the ritual mm-hmm. to ascend my son to godhood. And like, we're going to die. Are you going to help us? And he's like, let's start the ritual to ascend my son to godhood so they begin this ritual and in the process it starts to pour down rain and gen's like hey time to time to do this and people are terrified you know it's like i'm bringing you rain i'm giving you your water like here you know let's do the ritual and people are just freaking out Mm -hmm. and he's like you people are fucking worthless and like kicking them and he's like let's just get out of here and atrus is losing his mind he's like we have to do something. Gen's like, no, nah, that age is done. We're never going to go there again. Let it die. And he's like, we have to save those people. Uh, let me see the book. And mm-hmm. Atrus looks at it and he's like, there are so many problems here. You need to remove these things. They're go- that's, those are the contradictions. Those are the problems. And Gen's like, you don't know a thing about writing books. You made a little dinky piece of crap book compared to my awesomeness. Mm-hmm. And Atrus is like, how do you even write these things? And we learn that Gen has he he doesn't write from intuition. He writes for, he just copies what other descriptive books have done. Right. It's like I want to have this. All right. Well, they put it there, so I'm going to just copy that. Not understanding the interrelational uh, interrelation. Yeah. Not uh, understanding the grammar. Of yeah. The, the descriptive yeah. books. And how they they work on an ecological standpoint, mm-hmm. on a you know geological standpoint, and how they all in, they react to each other and how they work together. He's put words on a page, but and and they sort of occasionally make sense. But yeah. it is clear that it's you know it's not passing the descriptive book Turing test. It is yeah. not authentically so, Denis. 
so Gen's like, whatever. He negates those changes. And he's like, go look at it. It's fixed. Whatever. You know, s- stop being a baby. It's fixed. Go link to the book. You'll see. Atris links to it. And he f- he's like, everything's fixed. But the village isn't the same. Mm-hmm. The temple is not there. And he sees one, uh, the person who is uh, Gen's assistant. And he's like, hi. And that person's like, I'm going to kill you. Who the hell are you? But he's saying it in a language uh, Atris doesn't understand. And he's like, this isn't the same place. And so Gen had made such drastic changes that it linked to another place in existence in the infinite of possibilities, the tree of possibilities, Mm -hmm. um, that is similar but not the same. It has all of the same people but in in a different thing. And so we learned that that they're not creating these worlds. They're just creating links to these worlds. Or Atris believes this, this is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and Atris like, it's not the same. He goes again and comes back again. It's like, it's you, you have fucked up so bad. This is so terrible. And again, it's like, you're one to question me and my abilities. Your book is garbage. Let's look at it. Oh yeah. Blue flowers. What a fucking baby. Remove that. And Atris is like, no, he's like, Oh, you know, like the skies and, and the sun that's like the, the Earth's sun? Like, mm-hmm. you have no imagination. Remove that. And Age's like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, you know what? It's garbage. And just throws it in the fireplace. Yeah. And Atris is losing his mind. Yeah. And then uh, I think he sends Atris to his uh, room and gets massively stoned. Yep. He sends Atris to his room. Atris runs away and he's like, I have to get out of here. I... My father is a madman. Yeah. It, like, that's the push, the breaking point where he's like, he is an evil, evil person. Yeah. Who cares uh, not for these people except for, for what they can do for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is. It, it, it's a really good moment in the book. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it, so it's good. very dramatic. Not this that I'm, is the... I'm making it sound that, because I'm just tired. No, <laughs> oh, it's okay. Oh, God. This is a slog. It's a very good slog. It's okay. Oh, that's a slog. Oh, Nick. You call their podcast a slog. Not not oh, our podcast, God. the book. Oh, the book. Well, this is the point where Atreus decides he's going to leave. Jesus, um, John. He, I, th- I thought you said the podcast. I'm sorry, Nick. No. I'm, oh, I'm saying right the, the, book, the book is so dense with yeah. information. It's only that it is how many hard pages? to describe. It's not even that long. It's not even that long, which it's is crazy. Even, yeah, it, it is so dense with information that to accurately describe it takes more words than the book has. It is, because everything has relationship to everything else. Yeah. That's why it's such a fascinating I'm book. Still, one second. I think it's in it's the fine. 300s. Yeah. It's just under 300 pages. Just under 300 pages. Atris, but that's that's the thing. That's a testament to how well written it is. Yeah. Because everything has purpose and, and importance. Um, Atris decides he has to run away, and he has to say goodbye to his father. He goes back to the library, or to Atris's, or sorry, to Gen's study, and Gen is passed out from partaking in the pipe too much. Yeah. Um, uh, Atris is looking for any remnant of his his descriptive book. If there's anything that survived, everything is destroyed. Mm. Um, but the whole the whole place is a mess. Like all the books are on the ground. Like everything is destroyed. He's Gen has lost his mind. So Atris searches Gen, 
and finds the notebook that's mm-hmm. going to help him leave. The book of Atreus. The book of Atreus. That's when he realizes, like, my father didn't write this. This isn't in his handwriting. Yeah. Who is this? And it says Atreus. Like, that's my grandfather. He has his dad's book, and he doesn't know any of this stuff. He really is not capable of doing any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he goes to escape. Gen comes to, realizes Atreus has left, has a backup plan. He tore some of that map out uh, to help him, you know, escape so that he'll stop him. Gen recaptures Atreus mm-hmm. um, and locks him in a room where it, that he cannot escape. There is a single book. Uh, a descriptive book to the fifth age, uh, an ink uh, pot and a quill and a linking book back to the room that Atreus is currently in. And that's it. Yeah. So this he's effectively the... pr- imprisoned his son. Yes. This is where the things start to go too fast. Yes. Um, This is where uh, the book realizes that it's 200 pages long and needs to end... Yeah, but it's like, but we have two hundred more pages, and we can't, we can't do that anymore. Um, so Atrus is, you know, determining whether he's going to go in there or not. Is it a trap? All this stuff, but he's like, I can't do anything, and he he waits. But he makes the decision. In fact, to go he in. accidentally locks himself in the room by knocking over a pillar that blocks the door. So not only can <laughs> he, he well, ends the door up was to, locked. The door was like, locked, so he couldn't escape. Yeah. But he's also yeah. made it so that. No one can get in either. So really his only choice is to go into the book and see what's there. So he reads the descriptive book. At this point also, um, uh, I believe a thought that passes his mind is that Gen might have put a book in that links to a dead world. Yes. That like this is the level of distrust that he has with his father. That he's yeah. like, he may have just put a trap in here for me to die just mm-hmm. to get like one last screw you in. So he reads the descriptive book in its entirety to see what Gen has done with this age. And he's like, this is an interesting world that he's made. It's flawed. It's not, it's his typical slapdash nonsense. that's going to get it to be destroyed. But there's some really interesting things there. He's like, I, he sees this thing for a giant tree. He's like, I have to see this, and he and he goes, and it's uh, we learn that it's Riven, the the age of Riven, which is the second game, and um, and he sees the enormous tree and these beautiful islands and everything and the smells. They do a lot of smell talk, and I love it too. Mm-hmm. You can you can smell the places, um. And he sees, like, the temple uh, uh, that's for Gen, and it's this hugely opulent, more opulent than anything he's seen. This place has really been Gen's, his pride and joy. He loves yeah. this place. Um, he only named it five. He only named it the fifth age. The, well, the, name, the fifth the, attempt. It's the fifth attempt. Uh, Riven is a name that is indigenous to the world. Yes. Um, Atris gets into trouble. Uh, he noticed he's in this tunnel passage as he's just trying to explore this place. And he looks up and he sees a pool of water above his head. And he's like, "That? how is that water floating in the air like that? And there's a ladder that leads through it. And so he attempts to go and he talks about how the, the world is incredibly hot. This, this, this tunnel is really, really hot. Nick, do you want to know why the water behaves the way that it does? Uh, why? 
because they even when he talks about like the pots and the things that the, the cooking implements that they use they're built in a way as if water is going to fly away mm-hmm. and that's that's because all of the water actually has a bacteria that reacts to heat and it produces oxygen and it creates this bubble of sorts um, and so it behaves in this way that it, it creates structures. That tunnel that he's walking through with the pool above him, that is just a, a, a like a heat ring and a, a walking plank there, and there's nothing else. It's just water around him. He's walking through a tunnel of water that mm. has been expanded upon because there's that heat that's pushing this, this bacteria out, uh, pushing the water out and producing tons of oxygen. I don't um, know if that's that, kosher with physics, but I'll let it happen. That's just it's I'll fine. It slide. Um but that's how this world was was one of the facets of it. Um that's the thing you learn in Riven and this is the thing I love very much because they just create these rules. They don't have to scientifically make sense. But they create these rules and they live by those rules. Once you understand them, you start to understand the games more and I oh it drives me crazy. Atris almost drowns in an attempt to try and understand this water. He gets rescued by this woman. Very Atris. Almost kills self. Almost trying to discover something. So many times he almost dies. Uh, Catherine and her cousins rescue him, um, and they're they're getting him back to health. He learns that Gan is trying to revive the Denis through these people. These will be the new Denis, mm-hmm. right? And he's trying to recreate the guilds. Catherine is his star pupil, so much so that Gan says you are going to marry me like uh there's a moment where gen is in his his lab with all of his pupils and he's seeing Catherine working on how to write ages and he's like she's so brilliant and beautiful and amazing and she's mine Catherine, you're going to be marrying me um in 30 days yeah Catherine doesn't like this yeah especially she runs- given that uh he killed a friend of hers who she convinced to argue with him yeah, to have like a, an actual like just a discussion. Yeah. It wasn't even like anything wild. Yeah. Um and he he not only killed him, he like impaled him to the gigantic tree. Mhm. Cuz Gen is a grade B bastard. Yeah. Um and so she runs to Atrison's like are you really his son? And he's like yes, and he's an evil person and she's like I need you to save my people. The mm-hmm. age is dying, and and so it's just like I, I can't do that because he's alive. And they're like, okay, well, we need to make a plan then, yeah, to get rid of him and save the people. And this is where Atris does a lot of things that do not, at all, <laughs> relate to the end. <laughs> well, Atris does so. I mean, you're also. I think you're missing. Uh, there was a part there where he, before all of this, where he got to see Catherine's world. That happens after the fact. Does Once it he's happen? Agreed okay. to, yeah, it happens after the fact. They they agree to, to. So it's right around here. Make a plan. Yeah, and so in their working together, they get to know each other. And she's like, "I've written an age." And yeah. he's like, "Uh huh." And that is, How as did... far as he know, and he knows, impossible. It is not impossible, impossible for her to have written an age, because yeah. only the Denis can. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> But Gen has said this. Gen has said only pure blood Denis can do this, and that's which is not weird really because thing. he's not pure blood Denis. I know, uh, and, but he and he wants Atris definitely is not like no. Atris is a quarter Denis at yes. best. So um, 
uh, Catherine shows him her book. She stole it from Gen, amongst many other descriptive books. And she wrote it. And Atris is looking at this like, this is a great first attempt, but it's impossible. What yeah, you're he, writing, he reads it you know, and it's like, this is, in, this is insane. Like, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Beautiful prose. But it breaks all the rules. Yeah. It can't work. Yeah, she's like, I dreamed this. And she talks about how she dreamt of Atrus before she met him. Like, she saw him drowning in a dream before. And she dreamt of these things. And she wanted to make this book that was her dream. And she's like, it, it's impossible, you say? And he's like, yeah, you can't. This wouldn't work. You can't go to this place. And she's like, I've been there all the time. And he's just like, huh? She's like, you want me to show you? They go together. This place is beyond description. They're on this flat piece of land. There is, it's in like pure darkness. Um, and there is this spout of water erupting from the center of this large stretch of land. Um, and that water is erupting out and going to the outer rim of the land that they see and disappearing off the horizon. Mm-hmm. And, Atrus is like trying to understand what he's seeing. He's seeing these these little insects that that fly through him, you know, that don't have any physicality to them as they as they fly through him, and all of these kind of facets of like rocks floating in the air and all of this stuff that the things that morph and change as you touch them. And he's trying to understand all these things. And she's like, "Do you want to see?" He's trying to understand where the water works, how this how this works. And she shows him that. Uh, by uh, walking through this cavern in the center of the land, it actually, they're coming out the other side and where the sun is, and they're able to see that the water is coming around, uh, condensing and turning into rain clouds, which then poured down, gets sucked into the center mm-hmm. and spouted out at the other end. It's just this very flat piece of land and a major, t- like a torus. Um, and it's just like you you made like the center of gravity be on the outer rim of this, this land that causes to draw the water around in this, this crazy cycle. And it's like, how is this possible? And he sees these blue flowers and he's like, how did you, they're exactly like his. It's like, how did you know about the blue flowers? And she's like, it was just a dream. I just dreamt this, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is, you're the one like, Oh, I love you. <laughs> And he's like, you are an amazing person. You are you are a creator of dreams. Your writing is unlike anything I've ever heard. It shouldn't exist this way, but it does. And it's fascinating. We've got to get out of here. And <laughs> we must escape Riven. Yeah. yeah. So their plan is, Catherine has written another book, mm-hmm. An Island Called Mist. Yes. Oh. That's, yeah. Huh. Yeah. With a Y even. With a Y even. Uh, that's where they are going to live. They're going to destroy all linking books that are going to lead from Riven to Denis. Now, in hindsight, I will say, Mist is very clearly not consistent with Catherine's writing style. Yes. I would it's say just... that if I were a college, like an English <laughs> professor... And I was reading the that first paper by my student, and then I read the second. I would be very suspicious that they, yeah, <laughs> that it was their writing. Just like, I'd be this like, is hmm, very different. This there seems as- a little plagiarized. Yeah, 
there are aspects that are a little bit of hers, but there is so much more that is more refined, more more Denis in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go there, and it's just perfect. He's like, this is wonderful. So they, their goal is to take all the linking books that are in Riven. Mm-hmm. That Which are lead. two? There are. Well, there's there's one. but That they he have, has. That yeah, Gan has. And then there's the one that is... That Atrus's. is going to take Atrus to back to Mist. Right. So there's a grand total of two. Two. Yeah. Atrus's goal is to fix Riven... Mm-hmm. So that it doesn't destroy, and so that her people will be alive, that the that the world will not decay and be destroyed. Yes, and that at and all it, costs, Gen will not be able to escape whatever prison they put him in. Exactly. Um, Atrus has to do this alone. Catherine doesn't agree with this, mm-hmm. so Atrus goes to fix the age and go into Riven. Yeah, and the way he fixes the age is by writing different versions of Riven and then tweaking it to see what needs to change to make Riven stable. Yeah, he does a, a bunch of different uh, tests. Experiments, had, like yeah, what experiments. we saw earlier. Exactly. Um, so he does the, the changes, and he goes in, and as soon as he does, Catherine comes in and does some other writing guided by a mysterious figure. figure. Um, and... Atrus goes into Riven. He finds the uh, the books, and he's in his right as before. He's about to destroy everything. Gen stops him, captures him, and is like, "Hey, I know what you were up to. I'm still marrying Catherine. She's right here, mm-hmm. and Catherine's there." And Atrus like, "She betrayed me. She betrayed me. I've, yeah. I've never been so heartbroken in my Shortly life." Shortly before this, he had heard like some of the guild masters being like, "We've never heard, seen two people more in love." Yeah. The wedding's going to be great. And he's yeah. like, oh, she wouldn't betray me. And then, you know, like, oh, crap, she definitely did. <laughs> uh, so he's going to watch this marriage ceremony happen. But all of a sudden, these earthquakes begin. The sun gets blotted out in the sky. Rifts happen. The temple starts to collapse. Right? Mm-hmm. And Atrus escapes. And he's like, I fixed it. I didn't do this. What the hell is happening? Um,. And he goes to get the books. A fight ensues between him and Gen. Mm-hmm. Atrus loses. Gen says, "You are not my son. You are just as filthy as your your grandmother. Um, you're you're nothing. You aren't Denis. You are going to die now." He's gonna kill him with his spear. And then Catherine's like, "Gen, let him go, or I destroy the books." And Gen's like, "You wouldn't do that." And she's like, "Wouldn't I?" Drops Yeats him into one. a fissure of fire. Yeah, yeah, he eats one of the books. And he's just like, okay, oh, okay, okay. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I have <laughs> miscalculated. Yeah. Um, I, not being a terribly observant person, have um, <laughs> seemingly missed something <laughs> missed along the something. way. So he's like, all right, I will let him go. And they're able to escape again. Um, and as they're making their way out, this fissure opens up. That is filled with stars. Mm-hmm. And Age's like, what is this? And Catherine's like, it looks very similar to something you've seen before. Yeah. Well, she's like, didn't you ever want to dance with the stars, you know, and, and, and touch them? And he's like, I don't understand. And everything's getting sucked into this fissure. Mm-hmm. It's the star fissure. That's a thing, Nick. Oh, the star fissure's really, I don't even understand the star fissure. Um, and, uh, She's like, I'm going to use the Lincoln book to get to Mist. 
you need to jump into the starfisher. Uh, and it's just like, I, uh-huh. So she leaves. Mm-hmm. Gen's like, comes in and is like, don't go. I am a, a wealth of information for you. You could save Denis and I could do it with you. And you could, you could be a god and and take my knowledge. You know, don't do this. And Adrian's like, dude, you killed, like, almost killed me. I'm not your son. You disowned me. You're a horrible human being. Goodbye. And just jump, takes the book and jumps into the starfisher. Uh, and he links out, and he uh, ends up on Mist Island, and finds out that Anna, his grandmother, had followed him into the cavern had uh, snuck into Gen's personal study mm-hmm. where uh, Catherine had been multiple times working with Gen. Uh, Gen had left and done something and she stumbled upon Catherine and they had talked and were like, we're going to save your people and my son is a good person and find him and help him. Um, Anna wrote the book that is Missed Island and yes. they all live there happily ever after with Atris, Anna, Catherine and his two sons, Cirrus and Akinar, living happily. Ever so I mean, after this ending is part of my hesitancy in liking the <laughs> book. Like this is this is where it gets points docked for me because yeah. we like there's like sixty pages of him doing work to save Riven and. None of it matters. Really. No, he did save Riven. He did, but, what, but what none of it really was... matters for the resolution of the novel. So because what happened... he is yeah. he has this whole plan in mind as to how he's going to save Catherine, how he's going to save Riven. He's thinking about self sacrifice and how, yes. you know, no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to make sure that Catherine is safe. He has a moment before where he and Catherine have like this lovely time as a couple on on Mist. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's being incredibly reflective and introspective about how he, you know, nothing. He doesn't want anything to come between him and her. But yeah. if he has to, he will, you know, happily sacrifice his life to protect her and the people of Riven. Yeah. That that doesn't matter because that was never on the table. That was never on the table. He was never in any real danger. Yeah. He didn't know that. From his perspective, he was. But yeah. the the reader now knows that we spent 60 pages reading this thing that didn't really matter for the resolution of the novel. Yeah. Well, there's the thing is that like he he writes the things that are going to fix Riven and uh, Anna and uh, Catherine change it where they're going to make this major. We have a deus ex. We have an Anna ex machina. We have an ex machina. This character that we didn't even know was around. Like as far as we were concerned, she was dead. Like she was gone. And all of a sudden she is back and she has fixed everything. Yeah, well, behind the here's scenes the thing. without her behind knowledge. the scenes. Yeah, um, but they they made these major instabilities, but they were going to fix themselves over time. In reality, we know that this isn't the case. If you actually play Riven, they didn't fix it. Um, but uh, yeah, Anna coming in 
so what happens is they needed a, a reason to have Mist Island exist. They couldn't find a way to get Atrus to have made it um, and to have done so like successfully. They have to kind of... They really tried to pigeonhole how Mist Island fits into the canon of the world because the game missed uh, and all the things that Atrus does in the first game of Mist does not fit with the canonical how everything works. Yeah. It doesn't even remotely. And so they're trying their best to try to make it work. Um, and so Which it does feel a little off. weakens the novel, I think. It does. I, I, I you... think it makes the novel less. Because I was invested in this sort of inner turmoil that that, mm. that he ultimately doesn't really get to do anything with. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, if that happened to me in real life, I'd be extremely happy that I wasn't forced to choose between saving the people I love and dying. Like, obviously, that's not a trade I would like to make, but it's not terribly dramatic from a book perspective if the writers, having painted themselves in a corner either through the video game or through the novel just invent a reason why that inner conflict doesn't matter. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do understand that. So how they kind of answer this, how they try to like canonically be like, um, the books are written by the, the, the this narrative didn't truly happen. This is them taking the journals of Anna uh, and then turning them into a work of fiction. It's it's weird. It's very dumb. Um, but I still love the book very much. So it gives you an insight to the world. and helps uh, bolster the world building and how everything works. And it shows you the foresight of their, um, their narrative of the Mist franchise in general. Because the stuff that they are putting in this book that came out before Riven was even released... Um, is stuff that's very pertinent to how Denis is when you explore it in Mist Online Uru Live. Um, and, of course, the game Uru Ages Beyond Mist, the retail single-player game. Um, it just shows you the foresight of what they wanted to do, this grandiose concept and idea that I think is legitimately should have been successful. And it breaks my heart to no end how much it hurts my soul to know that it it did it failed i mean that that is such as the way of things but we got a they, nice book out of it we got a and nice some book good out of games it. now now uh yeah so i gave it a nine you gave it an eight but nick before we close things out i have something special for you okay i have a uh a game for you all right it's called oh Mist- god i was it's right called- <laughs> I was right, <laughs> you little dirty. Mist age or lie in a cage? So just so that the listeners have context, before <laughs> the podcast, John was like, I have a surprise for you. And I was like, if it's a game, it's not a surprise at all. Which and, and I did a literal. Almost... Sp- I, I did a spit take. I did a literal spit take. 
<laughs> yeah, I was drinking water when he said it, and I just spit it out. It was great. Uh, it was like, no, 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 it's not, it's not a game. And here it is. Here it is. Okay. The Miss- Mr. Jigsaw himself <laughs> rolls out. Would you like to play a game? Missed age or lie in a cage. All right. All right. I'm going to give you ten different uh, names, and you're uh-huh. going to tell me if they are an age in the Mist franchise mm-hmm. or if I'm lying to you, okay. and you're going to put me in a cage. If you get 70%, 7 out of the 10 right, Nick. Oh, Jesus. What? You get 70%. Yeah, That's a passing grade. Out of 10. Do you want to do 6 out of 10? We'll do 6 out of 10. We normally we'll do, do 6, six out, out of 10, Mr. 6 I'm out of 10 for you, Nick. The... If you fail to do so, there will be stakes. If you don't get 60%, there will so, be stakes. will they be rare? Will they be medium? I will tell you what it is. The, the loser of this, if you Shoe get more letter. than that, if you fail to get 60%, mm-hmm. you have to write... Uh, no, this is a good thing. You have to write your own age. My own your description age. of a fantastical world that you think would be a paradise. A place that you would love to be. Can it have a wooden sax doll? It absolutely can if that is good for you. And if uh, you kid? win, if you win, I have to do the same. Okay. Okay? Okay. Are you ready? Sure. Number one. Mm-hmm. Channel wood. Channel wood. Is it a missed age? Missed age. Or am I lying in the cage? It is a missed age, Nick. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Another second one. Channel wood. Tagira. Tagira. Missed age. Tagira. It's a missed age? You think it's a missed age? Nope. Tagira. Not a missed age. Which one is it gonna be? Missed age or nope. not a missed age? Wait, which one? It's not. Not, not a missed age? Not a missed age. Uh, that is a missed age. Are you ready? Number three. What game is it? Oh, Tagira? Tagira is missed five. Okay. End of ages. Uh, Revokta. Revokta. I Revokta, Revokta. It's not real. It's not. You think it's not real? Correct. Oh, oh Nick. I'm going to lie in a cage. It's not real. You're right. That's one I made up. That's my own. That's my own fantasy age I've made myself. Sounds quite nice. Um, what about? Okay, you ready? Yeah. Anone. Anone. Uh, missed age. You think it's a missed age? I think it's a missed age. All right, Nick. Is it a missed age? Is Anone a missed age? You bet your ass it's a missed age, oh, Nick. Yeah. That's from. Mist Online Uru Live. Also, ages, Uru Ages Beyond Mist. Alright, are you ready for the next one? Sure. Eder Delin. Eder Delin? Mm-hmm. Eder Delin. Miss <laughs> uh, um... Dage? Lion of Cage, Nick. Missed age. Eder Deline, you think is a missed age? Yes. It's a missed age, Nick. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm just Pento. flipping a coin in my head, by the way. Pento. 
Pento. Yep. Like the the Ford truck. Not with Pinto. The, with the saddlebag Pen-to. gas tank. Pento. 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 Okay, so like the riding utensil strapped to your foot. Yes. Okay, Pento. That was also a Ford product. Um, Pento. Not a misstage. Lie in a cage. Trapped in there forever. No food. That is a misstage. The peop- uh, it was a civilized world that had creatures and people, and uh, they almost destroyed the Dene people before in the past. They had a crappy name. Yeah. Um, Payiferin. Payiferin? Payiferin. Lie in a cage. That's a misstage, Nick. Well, I think I've lost. No, it's not over yet. You got you have gotten you've gotten three right. There are three more questions. Good. Eder Desole. Uh Desole is just I am sleepy in, in French, so I'm gonna say it's lie in a cage. <laughs> that is a lie in a cage, Nick. Um, Eder means a garden age. So there are many Adairs that we've experienced in the Mist universe, um, but Desolée is not one. Deline, uh, Eder Sogal, Eder Kimo, um, uh, Eder uh, Gira, Eder Gira. Yeah, those are all misstages. Mm-hmm. All right, are you ready? Sure. Harasane. 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 Jesus. Um. Mistage. Is it a mistage? It's a mistage. That's a lie in the cage, Nick. It's well. not real. The last one, even though it doesn't matter. Garterne. It is a mistage. That's the home of the Denis before they went to Denis. Well, my head flips did exactly 50 50. Yeah. So you got five right. You got five right, five wrong. Five right, five wrong. That's not bad. It's not. I mean, it's exactly what you would expect. Exactly, because you have no idea. <laughs> you got Channelwood right. That's a big one, Nick. Because Channelwood is like the most basic. That's from Channelwood was such a dumb name. I figured it had to be real. Not not yeah. to, not to imply that Mist was is dumb, but to imply that you would not have put it there, except for to think that I would say that it's not real based on the name. Well, I put it there first because then I was throwing you the curveball. Well, yeah, no, like, no, that's no why idea. I figured it had to be real. It, there's yeah. no way that it's not real because if it isn't real, then you have done like a a what what is that? That would be a reverse reverse psychology. So you, by you the yes, reverse reverse psychology exactly. Yeah. So by the next book podcast, you must provide. A age of your own that you dis- name and describe. You cannot use numbers. You are not Gen. Um, you must give it a uh, a name, a name, and give it a description of the flora and fauna that you you would come across. Okay, it's gonna be lots of balls. That's perfectly fine if that's what is your dream age. Big, big, hairy. Now I want to thank you all everybody for coming in and listening to this exceptionally long podcast it's more it's the longest <laughs> i, I want to thank ever. you for looking at the length of the podcast and not fleeing 
Um, for your life. Because legitimately, this is like my favorite book. One of my favorite ones uh, of books based off of video games. Mm-hmm. I asked Nick to do this podcast because I thought that this is such an interesting idea uh, to good. explore these spaces. And I love it so much. And I'm so happy to have Nick be my best friend. Go along with me on this journey, Nick. I love you, buddy. I love you too, man. We will be back again in two weeks where we will be reviewing the um, the Infocom text adventure game. Suspended. Suspended. Yes. And from there, Finally. we will... Yes. Because we played Finally. it a long time ago. A long time ago. <laughs> to the point that we're probably going to have to look things up just to remember. <laughs> yep. So, until then, everybody, thank you guys so much. Nick, love you. I love Say you goodbye. too, man. Bye. The Literate Pixel Podcast is written and performed by Jonathan Meyer and Nicholas Cullen. Editing is done by Jonathan Meyer. If you'd like to reach out to us with questions, comments, or book suggestions, you can reach us at literatepixelpodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram is instagram.com slash literatepixelpodcast. If you want to reach out to John, you can find him on Twitter at Bogus Meat Factor or streaming on Twitch Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday nights at twitch.tv slash Bogus Meat Factory. You know, John, that was, that was actually a really good podcast. I know, right? Oh, that must be the supers. Oh, hey, Elphick. Hey, Elfon. How y'all doing? Hey, guys. So, uh, you guys need to get your poop jugs replaced? <laughs> you know it. Nick has had one too many cheesesteaks lately, if you know what I'm saying. Hey. <laughs> oh, you know I love you. Well, we switched them out for you. If there's anything else y'all need, just let us know. We will. Thanks, guys. Do you think they know? I don't think so. They're still their unaware dumb selves. Then I guess it's time to make our move. Yes.